guys, Manny and Justin. It is our 80th episode, um, and we do this in a grand style because obviously this is towards the end of the season. We have so many finals coming up, um, and we have a lot to talk about today. Um, but first, I would love to just catch up with both of you and see how you all are doing, especially Mr. Chelsea, Manny, and Mr. Arsenal, Justin. Um, Justin, I'll start with you. How are you feeling um, given that the EPL is over uh, at this point of recording? I'm sad to see the EPL season end because it's what I look forward to every week. And now this weekend, what am I going to do? I'm going to have to watch like the very not thrilling conclusions to Syria and La Liga. Like, come on, please. Like those those leaks have been wrapped up for so long. No excitement in watching that. Um, we have the FA Cup, so we can see uh, Pep, Pep and the boys collect another trophy. So that's something, I guess. But um, it's not the EPL. It's not the the all action that I love of the league that I love best. Um, so I'm sad about that. On the other hand, the fact that the league has ended after 38 weeks means that the gap between Arsenal and Manchester City can't grow any larger. So that way it looks a little bit better in the history books, I suppose, when we look back on the season and see, oh, Arsenal almost almost uh, clipped Manchester City to, to the title. It'll look a little bit better um, by the numbers. So, Touché. Touché. Yes. yes. I like that I'm, already, I'm already circling the date uh, for the start of next season and looking forward to it. Well, there you go. There you go. I, I, I like that you, you put that. But real quick, this weekend, if you're looking for something to watch, you watch the Syria. There is a... Um, a battle in the relegation zone. Um, Milan is playing one of those teams and Roma is playing the other team. So that should be an interesting game if anyone is interested. Uh, but let's talk about one one man's problem, which could be another man's problem also in this case with Chelsea. Uh, Mr. Chelsea Manny, what's going on with you, man? Well, how's uh, I, I feel like you've been a little quiet this season. and You're probably part of the reason why we've not recorded for a while because I feel like you've shut down since the last time we talked. Hey man, listen, I think the last time that we all met, I said if Chelsea went on to to win and you know, which they did, I think it was like the what was it, like the Dortmund game or something like that. And Champions League, which seems like it was like you know, seasons ago, I would stay off. Clearly it didn't work. You know, none of my superstitious routines work this this season. You know, I, I did everything I could. You know, um, short short of going to Nigeria and finding some shaman help, uh, Bori, uh, <laughs> I did everything I possibly could to forget the season. And thank goodness, the season is over. Um, you know, I like Justin. Um, load the fact that yes, there are other uh, conclusions that need to be, um, you know, scores that need to be settled, you know, in the next week or two with the likes of the Manchester, you know, Derby in the final and obviously City with the Champions League. Um, but it's such a relief that it's not Chelsea because that means that we can't drop any more points. Like, like Justin said, the gap, the gap can't the gap can't grow between them and, and city anymore. And, 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 you know, we are 
no longer in that relegation talk and that relegation fight. We we survived thanks to Thomas Tuchel's eight points that he left us um, before he went on to become a German champion with the likes of Bayern Munich. So thank you, Thomas Tuchel, the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, this is the most painful season uh, since I've, you know, been uh, obviously since I've been um, watching Chelsea and supporting them, but you know, this has been the most painful season for folks that have supported Chelsea for decades and decades alike. Um, so that that's all there is to say, man. We're just happy that it's finally over. And now we get to come here to the United States for this unnecessary, like, eight-city tour um, in, like, a span of, like, two weeks or something crazy like that. Because you know what a team needs that just uh, survive relegation? Uh Things, mediocre things like that for branding purposes and marketing purposes instead of hey. time away from everyone to learn what is they they got a they got a lot of people they got to put in the shop window manny they got to get some people who've been riding the pine all season listen, long that they gotta they, they gotta listen, show them let listen, them show their stuff so they can be sold listen i'm standing you i'm letting you guys know i'm kind of an itk if you guys know what that means if you don't it's in the hey, know what in the football okay. world, in the know, all right? Uh, I know where these players are going to be staying here when they come here to uh, FedEx Field, all right? I can, uh, we're going to have a BOGO sale starting as a yard sale, possibly <laughs> a fire sale. Uh, you you name it. It's all right, guys. Uh, Bori, hey. you're going to be the first. Ruben Loftus-Cheek is on his way. I promise you that. Incredible. <laughs> I, I- I, we can talk more about that during during the summer because I would love to really talk about why we need Loftus Cheek. I don't think we need him, but um, I, you know, I hear you, Manny, and honestly, that's part of our conversations today. So let's we we'll definitely have to delve into what happened to Chelsea this season. Um, but having said that, I think today we're really going to focus on on obviously the EPL and then you know Champions League. Well, maybe not the Champions League final. Maybe in the next episode we'll talk about Champions League final. Uh, but we do also want to talk about Dortmund and what happened in Germany. Uh, and then I think for us, we'll just start now with the Europa League final, which may be probably the most underwhelming final I've seen in a while because of the statue of both teams or the status or stature of both teams, given the season that they both had. Um, and that's Sevilla versus Roma. Um, obviously, Sevilla is the... I think Justin, the way you put it was, uh, Sevilla is the Real Madrid of the Europa League. So uh, I think, uh, you know, this is their final. And it's, I mean, most of these players that actually are playing, are going to be playing tomorrow, uh, will have played the Europa League final. Um, and, and whereas there's the other side of things where there's, there's Mourinho, um, current champions of the UEFA Conference League, um, playing in their first Europa League final in a while, I believe. Um, and so, so yeah, so just wanted to to delve a little bit more into this. Uh, I don't watch, I did not watch Sevilla this season, so I don't know what to say. The only thing I know about Sevilla is that they've struggled a lot this season. Um, and actually, at one point, they were in the relegation zone or fighting right above their relegation zone. But now they are 10 points clear of the relegation zone, which means obviously they're safe. Um, but I want to get your thoughts, uh, uh, Manny, uh, just from 
you know, your ITK knowledge, um, you know, how do you see this playing tomorrow, um, especially given that both teams are just the most inconsistent teams you could probably find in Europe, Europe's top five leagues? Listen, form doesn't matter to one man on one particular team who's leading Roma. Let's be honest, right? We've seen time and time again, and history has told us that you never bet against the special one when it comes to finals. Like somehow this guy could be in, you know, his teams could be in relegation positions or, you know, towards the bottom of the table. But when it comes to finals, it's like a different team, a different mentality. Um, I don't know if you ever saw, uh, obviously, the all or nothing where he's teaching his players that they have to be bastards on the field. That is Jose Mourinho. And the fact that he has taken multiple teams to finals and has actually won, right? He actually has backed it up um, with the exception of Spurs. Like, we'll never know what what could have happened with Spurs, right? Because they they fired him like five days before, right? Incredible. he, He... he took this Roma team, and you're right, Bori, it had been something like 20 years since they had reached uh, a European, like, final, or just a final in general. And he went, and he won last year. He's, I, I feel like he's, my money's on on Roma and Mourinho tomorrow, um, just because this man, when, when the chips are down, and you think, like, he's down and out, he's, like, he turns it around. So I think that we're in for a surprise. He's taking this very seriously. If the reports are to be um, believed that he, I don't know if you all saw, he locked down the training to only like a set, like the players and like a, a, a select, you know, few in his coaching staff. He didn't want anybody else. So I don't know. Um, I think he's, he's going to roll out with something incredible tomorrow, man. I, you know, for for the yeah. sake of Roma also, right, Bori? Because Roma are out of the Champions League in in the, by table, by way of the table, right. they can't they can no longer qualify, right? So yeah. yes. them right. winning champions or Europa would be the only way that they qualify. Right. And that's a very good point because even both teams are out. So Sevilla currently, I think they're 11th uh, and they may finish at that level. And um, this is actually a chance for one country to have five teams. Right. So no matter what, we're going to have either Spain or Italy have five teams in the Champions League next season. Um, that said, I think um, one one more thing to think to, to talk about, Romano, you've said you've sort of given the ball to to Roma uh, Mani, but one thing that people should note about Roma this season is they've actually been incredibly unlucky with injuries. It's actually actually really crazy how many injuries they've had this season and somehow they're still hanging, you know, up until last week they were in the top four fight, right? So I got to give them credit for that. And I know people may think Roma sucks, or but I think really is if you look at the players they've had, uh, given all the after all the players that have been injured have left or are basically on the sidelines. They've actually done tremendously well, um, and they've been able to to hold 
you know, some teams they've lost some some games that we didn't expect them to lose, but they've lost them. But it's understandable. Um, but I do think there's one man on this call that is the complete opposite of that has the complete opposite thoughts of Umani, who feels that experience and the fact that this team Sevilla uh, won the Europa League last year, right? They, that they're the reigning champions, right? Correct. Um, he, I think he feels that that's better than um, or that's going to trump over the you know the the Roma team. So uh, Justin, just want to get your thoughts there. Um, why do you feel in this case that Jose Mourinho is not going to beat experience? Um, the f- football gods have preordained it. I don't know. I don't know. It's not, it's not even a mad question. It's not even a question about like experience. I don't honestly know a ton about this Sevilla side and why. I haven't watched enough of La Liga to know like why exactly they have struggled um this season but what i do know is that sevilla wins the europa league it's just that's just what happens that's that's there we've talked before about how certain clubs have are kind of built for certain competitions or just have you know uh in the case like we were saying earlier about like yeah some other spanish clubs how like barcelona just like have dominated the domestic league been underwhelming in europe while at the same moment, Madrid have had their ups and downs in the like you know in La Liga, but as always, they made it to the semifinals of the Champions League, um, which they probably regretted when they came up against Man City. Man City, but um, Sevilla, I think, could is much the same. They just have something about knockout competition um, seems to suit them for some reason. Uh, I think they are the most successful team in Europa. They've won the most Europa League titles in its short history or whatever iterations it's had before that included, I think. And then in the past decade, uh, you know, give me a moment, I'll pull it up. But like they have just, they like I said, they're like the Real Madrid of the Europa League. They just, when they make it the final, they win. And they just seem to do it, whether they're having a good year, bad year, mediocre year, doesn't make a difference for them. Yeah, you're right. Six, six final, six wins, uh, and it's nothing to be discounted. I think I don't know exactly yeah. how to do it every time. Um, that said, I think uh, I mean I don't know what the data or, or I don't know what this says. I don't know if I don't think Jose Mourinho has won the Europe. Well, no, he has won the Europa League with Porto actually, and I don't think he came up against <laughs> Sevilla. Somebody fact check me there. But my point is, I think there's always a first time for everything, and me personally, I think Mourinho, like like Manny said, Mourinho is the man for finals. But that said, yeah, um, Roma is still like, for example, Dybala, for example, is still a doubt for the game. Um, and and I think what Mourinho said in his press conference was that he may show he may feature him in the last thirty minutes or something like that. So maybe that's the difference. I don't know, but I would just tell you how the game is going to go right now. Sevilla will possess the ball ninety percent of the time. Um, and Roma is going to sit back and counter. That's how it's going to go. And it may actually go through two penalties. Who the hell knows? I don't know what Moreno has up, up his sleeves. But the question is, I just don't know what Roma we're going to see tomorrow. They are they're very hot and cold. So it's one of those things. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. Roma, uh, Sevilla are very, very inconsistent. They are losing games that should not they should not be losing in in la liga 
but again somehow turning up in Europe so it's one of those finals where I guess it's a good thing that there's no heavy favorites just like in the Champions League so maybe that makes for a good game but all the same it's going to be a, an exciting game so that said I'm going to I think I know the prediction uh, already for Manny but Manny what's your what's your scoreline what do you think is going to happen tomorrow Get ready for an amazing 0-0 full time <laughs> going into extra time, right? And then with the stoppage time of five-plus minutes, because Jose is going to instruct his players to go down and kill as much clock as possible. Sophia is going to let their guard down, and they're going to get caught on a counterattack for Tammy Abraham is going to score the winning goal in the 123rd minute of the Europa League final and win it. 1-0. All right. And thus, Jose Mourinho will become, will probably become the greatest man after Julius Caesar for that city. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. Um, prediction, Justin. 1-1. Uh, Ty Sevilla wins it on PKs to go to the Champions League oh, next year where they will be promptly They'll finish in third place and get promptly dropped back down to the Europa League where they can win it again next year. Oh, interesting. Okay, okay. Well, for me, I think I'm actually going to go with a 1-0 uh, Roma win. Um, I think... Uh, I think Sevilla is going to dominate for sure, uh, but I see Roma either winning through a penalty or through a counterattack. Um, and and just them just defending the whole time. Um, so we'll see what happens. I, I think it's going to be, I think either way it's going to be a fun game for, for neutrals. So it uh, should be a fun watch. Uh, but let's let's delve into a not so happy news. Uh, and that's really what happened in Germany last weekend. Uh, I was honestly rooting for Dortmund, obviously, like because I'm tired of seeing Bayern win. But... They disappointed us so bad, and uh, I still think about it, and I cannot imagine how the Dortmund fans are feeling. Um, any any thoughts or ideas? I, I don't even know what to say. I just it just feels really sad. It feels like somebody got murdered, essentially. <laughs> That's how it feels. Um, so, any any thoughts about this? I mean, um, listen. It's dormant. I mean, at this point, right, it's starting to almost become a meme. It's like, it, it's it's one of those things where it's one of those teams that if we didn't have Spurs, we'd be talking about dormant. Like, instead of it's lads, it's, it's Spurs, it, you know, we'd be talking about dormant. Um, the fact that they wasted, they, they had it, right? Like, all they had to do was just win. That's it. Like, win. And it wasn't even like a team that was a top, you know, top four, top six team, right? And you go and you blow it in the fashion that they did, right? It's not like they didn't have opportunities. It's not like they didn't create them. It's that they just, I don't know, man. I don't even know. It, it was so uncanny watching that game, you know? Uh, what was it like at the 15th minute already? They were what, like one or two down, right? Was it? They, they, uh, they came yeah. in. It's just got, one, one down. It was then the, one, the 24th. Right? Yeah. And then the 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 penalty kick. Come on. 
Like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, then say what you will. You know, I was you know I was reading the comments about how uh, the ref. You know, Dortmund fans were saying like, well, the ref was like unfair. He was calling this, but he wasn't calling that. And it, if you have to rely on the ref, right, in a game of that magnitude, when all you have to do is go out and win, you know it, right? All hey. you have to do is put the game away, and you let it slip in the fashion that they did, and then. To add to the drama, Bayern almost throwing single-handedly throwing it away as well, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh man. And and I think I don't know if you guys noticed this, but like I was switching back and forth between it, and I don't know if it's just desperation at that point, but mm-hmm. it was like after that, after the Bayern match resulted, you know, after they drew and it, and the other team leveled, um. You kind of got, I don't know if it was just urgency, desperation, or what, or maybe just a reality check, a wake-up call. Dortmund started just barrage of, like, attack, attack, attack. And then, of mm-hmm. course, they end up tying it. But still, you know, at that point, it's like, why why wait so long? Like, yep. why did you guys, I don't know. I think, um, I don't want to say they they got overly confident because this seems to be Dortmund's MO. This is what, like, the fourth time in the last six years uh that that they've they've bustled they've, it uh, i think so i want to say yeah. like that they've they've bottled it yeah not not no, like there's not in this magnitude though right i mean yes they've bottled it before uh like la- last season for example i think they had there were some times that they were or they were doing well was the last season? i can't remember but basically this season is just the magnitude for this season is is great i mean it was it was in their hands it was in their hands that you know. So uh, you know, that given given that we've talked about Mourinho, uh, Justin, I, I'm curious from your point of view, like, because the way I see it is it's a mentality thing, and and who helps with the mental, right? Like it it has to be the coach. So it sounds like Terzic, I, and I could see his body language in the game. It, it almost like I don't think he gave up, but you could see he, there was no yelling, and, and he's not, you know, right. I, I don't. I don't think it's a yelling type of coach, but there was no like fire under their bottoms, right? Like, and so for me, I'm thinking if it's a coach like Mourinho, they're gonna win that game. But it, like, who who do we who do we blame for this for this, you know, basically this final that they lost, you know, like or well tied. Well, like like so many clubs that struggle or are are so called bottlers or what have you. Um, in the modern game, it's like kind of like a top-down sort of thing. I'm not. This is not. I'm not poking at anybody. I see Boris starting to laugh. I was. Man, I was going to say, Justin, do you have examples of other clubs, said clubs? I'm not. I'm not going to name names. Bor- Manny, the episode's going to get rough enough for for you later on. I think. When I was going to say, you don't have to name all of them. You could just start an alphabetical order. Start with A, and then you know just drop. Oh that. no, a, the, all the A clubs have like phenomenal. Uh, what I'm about to say. What I'm about to say, and I'll tell you why I'm not going to name any A clubs, is because it's a system. It's a top-down sort of thing where you it, the the problems at Dortmund start at the club ownership uh, and C-suite level, where it's like you know where what is their ambitions in the transfer market? What, how do they handle their contracts? What are they? What are what what is their like five-year game plan? It's and frequently it's to get young players. They're very good at talent acquisition. And then just, you know, to sell them on for a profit. 
like for uh, like a couple years down the road, right? That seems to be like and Dorman seems to be very content in doing that. Uh, I think they don't necessarily back their managers when they need to seek more experienced players um, in the transfer market. And then the man, like and then boy, like you said, the the manager is a big problem as well. And then going down to the players level, where this is like a mentality, you know, a broken mentality at the field level. Um, I still think about the Dortmund under Klopp, which felt like a way different team. It was like, you know, mentality monsters. They were, they would go toe to toe with Bayern and not be afraid and not, not, not cower from the moment. And that is, you know, a manager insert the right manager to the situation. Maybe you get a different result, uh, kind of to, to your point about like, you know, um, Mourinho or someone else of that ilk, put them on the touchline. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know where they go from here. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been hearing reports that they're not going to fire the coach, um, but yeah. who knows? I, I think it's done. I think Bayern, obviously, there's a lot of shakeup there. Uh, they made a mistake firing Nagelsmann, but now they've uh, yes. fired Oliver Kahn, and I can never always pronounce his name, but the the technical director. Um, and Tom so Vinovich. now, yeah, whatever his name is, yeah. But now, can we can we take a moment? Sorry, can we take a moment to just address how I know that Chelsea, like I'm not really one to talk about how things go down at at a club that's not very well ran, but the fact that they got fired like as they were on the field, going down <laughs> to celebrate, like, like you I, know, watching that watching that live like in real time, you know, like as all the players are celebrating and. You know, they're trying to get down on the field and they're looking at their phone and they're confused. And then all of a sudden, like, the yeah. reports are like, these two have been fired. Like, I mean, how how wild I, is that? I don't even know why they told them to travel, because I think whether they won or not, which most likely they probably thought, yes, we're, we're going to win, but Dortmund's going to win. They should have just told them, yeah, just pack your bags. You don't even have to come to the game. It was an away game. Like, why did they even have to come to the game? I um, don't know. This So, so this is a question... Manny, I think you put, I'm assuming, Manny, you put this one down, about who bottled it worse this year between Dortmund, the two the two uh, runners-up to the to the perennial champions. Dortmund and Bundesliga. You would be correct. You would be correct. Arsenal, Arsenal and the EPL. Yes, okay. So that was you. Wow, what a surprise. But um, I'm just going to come out here and say, like, the Dortmund, it, as heartbreaking as it was for me as an Arsenal fan, Dortmund bottled it worse by far because Bayern was very, very vulnerable this year. They had, like, we were talking about this turmoil. The results in the field were so scattershot up and down. Um, firing a manager after he wins a game. Like, it's like, you know, they've had so many issues. Like, this like this is 10 years running, the champions. You don't get many shots to take them out. When they're vulnerable, when they're limping, and they're weak, you got to take your shot and Dortmund took it all the way to the final day uh, just to have this result happen. So um, to me, it's an unfortunate bottling. Cause like, boy, like you said, at the, at the top of this discussion, like I think we all were, we, you know, we are, we were pulling for, for Dortmund. We all wanted to see, uh, to see them seize the moment. So it's a shame it didn't happen. Maybe next well, year. Uh, I don't think that's possible, but well, 11, 11 leagues, League titles in a row for Dortmund, uh, for Bayern Munich. Congratulations to them, but not well deserved. Not deserved. Don't think it was deserved, but also I think Dortmund not deserved. So 
I think that says a lot. But let's talk about EPL. Let's talk EPL. Let's talk about what happened this season. The 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 no the season is over. Somehow City won it way before the end of the game. Um, and I'm sorry to hear. Um, Justin, genuinely, I am sorry to hear that Arsenal could not win the the league, even though they had it in their hands. Um, so let's start with that. Let's talk about Arsenal. Let's talk about your season, Justin. Let's talk about the roller coaster that you went through your emotions, would love to just hear from your point of view how you felt about Arsenal not winning the league, uh, but also just think about, would love to hear from you, just your thoughts about where Arsenal goes from here and the future, uh, and if you're optimistic or not. Sure, yeah. Uh, obviously it was disappointing, but I think it's been a while since we last recorded, but I think I went on record in the last recording when Arsenal were still in first place saying something along the lines of don't even ask me the question, or I don't, I don't want to give any answer about whether Arsenal have a chance to win the whole thing until like mid April. And the reasons for that were clear when we got to mid April and Arsenal started dropping results at the exact same time that Manchester city said, Oh yeah, I forgot. We're a, just a, a winning machine led by the best manager in the game perhaps of his generation, certainly perhaps considered an all-time great manager. Uh, we have Erling Holland speaking of machines, uh, someone who's bioengineered in a lab and then augmented with cybernetic uh, parts. I don't know what happened, but he's like, just can't stop scoring whenever he's on the field. Um, and a bunch of players who have won this thing, you know, this is not their first radio. It's not their second rodeo. Uh, these guys have been doing it for, years and years and years uh, winning titles. And so Manchester City kicked into another gear around April timeframe, actually before that, but like April is when like they uh, passed Arsenal and then never looked back over their shoulders. Right. Um, so disappointing. Um, I can, you know, for me as an Arsenal fan, there's a few results in particular, uh, maybe not the ones that people are mostly like pointing out, like, you know, obviously losing to Manchester City was a big deal. Um, the draw against Liverpool when they were ahead, that's a big deal. But really the ones that were killer, killer results to me were like, you know, a couple of draws in mid-April versus teams like West Ham and freaking Southampton, the bottom, like 20th place teams in the league. That was a loss, right? right? No. No, no, that, that was a. It's at the moment it felt like inspiring because Reese Nelson, uh, a substitute, scored a, a, a third, the third goal for Arsenal in like you know extra time to tie the game against Southampton. Everyone went wild. It was a great goal. It was a, oh, it was right. a wonderful goal for someone who's and been like an academy graduate. Loss. Huh? Don't forget about that loss against those three points that saved uh, Everton's season. Oh yeah, yeah. If you want to go all the way. Back to if, if the, yeah, Sean Dyche's first if first national charge. Game, if Everton don't win that game or even draw that, uh, they're relegated. Yes, ultimately, I mean, yes, that was that that contributes to this to what I'm saying, maybe. But like, yeah, I mean, ultimately, more important for a, a more important result for Everton than it turned out to be for Arsenal, since they would need more than just that one game. Um, but yes, you know, it's it's those like. It's those results against the mid to lower tier sides in the league that ultimately did Arsenal in. And that's that's the what's most frustrating for me as an Arsenal fan. I actually um, have a question, Justin. Sure. Uh, 
and I'm not going to beat you down on this because I, I, as a Chelsea fan this season, I can't talk, right? Like, I, I, can't, I have no ammo at all. But um, you, do you think it was special agent Jorginho who did this to you guys? Or do you think <laughs> do you, do you think do you think that, that this man played a, a a a role? Do you think he's a mole? Do you think that that threw him for a loop, Arteta and his ways? Because you guys were playing a certain way. Um, granted, um, you know, Gabby Jesus was out at that time. But or do you think that it was just like Gabby Jesus and everybody um, started like when he came back threw off like the balance of the team? Because I noticed that you guys weren't that like um, potent attacking uh, prowess that you guys had been before the World Cup, before you know uh, he went down. Um, so do you think it was like your midfield or uh, your defense? And all the injuries on defense. Yeah, it was that the latter. I, it was you know it's always a culmination of factors. It's never ever one only one thing. But if it was you're to point out the biggest thing, um, it was de- definitely the injury to William Sleba in particular. Um, that and then it, the uh, period of time about like two three game weeks where we were kind of tinkering like is it Rob Holding? Uh, do we try Kivior in that position, even though he's left-footed? Um, can Ben White move over? No, actually, can't. Ben, we can't put Ben White in the middle because now we have injuries to Tomayasu. Um, so Saliba was like, you know, he was the linchpin, I think, of the whole thing, which is concerning considering the fact that he's entering the final year of his contract um, and has not yet signed a new one. So um, there's a lot of work to be done for Arsenal. I'm not going to pin it on Jorginho, though. I think Jorginho is actually a good bit of business for for both parties involved, for everybody. Jorginho, the player, uh, Arsenal and Chelsea, who's obviously trying to offload people. Um, I think everyone came out ahead in that particular transfer. Um, it was just not enough given the injuries in defense. And then Saka kind of um, was had some struggles. Um, he seemed to look like a little tired or something was going on. Um, now he went so. down. Martinelli went down. Yeah, yeah. So it's a Arsenal didn't have the depth, I guess, to make to get it over the line. They did a good job of trying to reinforce. Jorginho was a good acquisition. Trossard was a phenomenal acquisition. Um, but it, you know, there's obviously now that we have Champions League is secured, which was has to be said, that was the goal for Arsenal this year was just to get to the Champions League. Um, there's a lot of recruitment that's going to need to happen this summer. To, to have the squad depth to compete in both Champions League and APL uh, to make that push. All right. Well, sounds good, and 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 thanks for the insight there. Um, I want to move on to the other club in London, um, and that's <laughs> Manny putting you on the hot seat. Of course, Chelsea um, had a very strange season, uh, spent a lot of money uh, to the tune of how much was it? Is it 300 million? Double. Oh, okay. Did you say, <laughs> I said, did you I say said that to flatter you. I said that to flatter you, just so you know. I wanted you to say hey, the, the real amount. Hey, I call a spade a spade. There you go. It's right, that, okay. So. But no, seriously, Manny, on a serious note, uh, you know, w- one thing I'm trying to understand, obviously, like, we know the, the issues. I think everyone knows that. The problem was um, Todd Bailey, or whatever you pronounce his name, last name. Todd Bro. Uh, 
Tom Bro. Tom Bro, yeah. He he decided to to take on a job or a role that obviously he was not suited to. Um so that's the past now. Uh sounds like he's he's relinquishing his role to somebody else and I would actually love to you, you talk about that because I don't know who, who that person is. But my question to you is where Chelsea goes from here and genuinely looking at your books and I don't know if you're following your 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 balances, your revenue and versus like how much you spend. Where is Chelsea at with all of that? And, and what do you see their chances or what do you see what what is their next season looking like? Um given that obviously they've hired Poch uh, finally. Yeah, so I think I think I said this before as well in the last um maybe it was off air, you know. Uh, off the record when we were speaking the last time it was Chelsea season is going to be a case study of how not to run an organization of how not to run a sports club Um, if anything this has shown us that the success in another sport does not automatically translate or transfer to a different sport right Um, we all know Bully you know is successful with you know, his other ventures, um, sporting ventures, and it's no secret that, you know, he tried to use the same methods. I'm talking about data analytics and kind of that money ball approach of bringing on. Um, And in other sports, that can be something that works, right? Because you are necessarily, the fact that there is no relegation, right, in other sports and other sporting ventures um and even just looking at mls here at home doesn't mean that a team is going to miss out on revenue and all these opportunities right um become less competitive if anything it's the complete opposite when you join european football and these top clubs is and we've seen it time and time again that teams that don't spend they end up ultimately being the downfall um we just saw one right now, Leicester City, right? Uh, Leicester City went from achieving a probably one of the greatest Cinderella runs and, uh, you know, winning a championship um, with these insane odds, right? All odds against them, and they won. And instead of reinforcing that those squads, they ended up selling all those players, similar to what I guess we've discussed with Dortmund, right? It's like, what is the plan? um they you you have to spend like that that is that is the ultimate i I think when it comes down to it is you have to spend but here's the other thing the other side of the coin is you have to know what you're spending on you can't spend just to spend and i think we saw a combination of all of that we just saw uh maybe an overzealous um uh owner coming in and finding you know getting you know just trying to do the right things like i i don't doubt that he had the best of intentions it's just it didn't translate right because he doesn't know the business um you know we talked about it i'm not going to beat a dead horse with a stick there was absolutely nobody left in chelsea um in the back room or the c-suites if we will from the previous regime like they were all gone so here you are you know, a billionaire come in here. And I think part of it is also ego, right? It's like, I, I, I've become, I, I think that's what he did. Rich. I, 
I really think that's rich without, you know, I I know what I'm doing. Therefore, I wouldn't be this rich if I didn't know what I was doing, except it's a completely different animal. It's a completely different puzzle to solve. And we started seeing little by little that even though he had the best intentions of the decision makings, the decisions that he made ultimately ended up costing Chelsea any chance of, and we were never going to win, you know, the the league title this year. Like, there's just no way, right? But there was a moment in time, I'm looking at Liverpool, where we were actually ahead of Liverpool. And Liverpool ended up squeaking out a Europa League spot, right? Granted, they probably are, you know, um, angry at themselves for since Champions League was right there for the taking as well. But there was a moment in time where Chelsea were ahead and we looked like we could have secured a spot, that spot, right? So here we are, bloated squad. There's going to be a fire sale. The good thing is, I think we will clear FFP because FFP is not, it doesn't count on that said year, right? So the way it works is it'll, it's almost like a fiscal year, right? Like it ends on June 30th per se, you know? I don't know if that's the right date. And then something else, you know, the new year starts on July 1st. With Chelsea, they have so much, the loan army, that they are willing to part with that could bring in and generate and make up some of that revenue that is going to be missed from missing out on European competition. Now, the problem then is, yes, you can sell, but FFP is only one problem. Clearing out FFP is only one problem. Second problem is, what do we do with the players that are going to be here? What system? Like, I think at this point, all we, any Chelsea fan really wants is some semblance of some type of system, um, some type of playing style to be instilled in these players. Because having four managers, if you really count Bruno Salter's one game <laughs> management career, right, um, which he didn't lose. So there's that. Uh, if you count that, we've had four, like, you know, it, it, it's, it's something that I actually wish that the, we had an all or nothing this season. Like I would be fascinated to watch what the hell was going on behind the scenes. The good news is, Bori, to your point, now Tadbro and Nagbali and I guess Clear Lake and all the board have appointed the right personnel, right? Or at least personnel in said positions i'm talking about you know director of football um you know uh scouts um you know etc etc everything that needs to be done appropriately and if and i'm praying this is the most important thing is there is a recent rumors that say that now that he has um placed these folks he has hired all this talent around him he's no longer going to be as involved He's actually going to take a step back, right? Only time will tell if that's true, you know? The one thing I will say is I think they are learning on the job as they go because they didn't offer Pochettino a five-year contract like they did Grand Potter. So there's that. So, you know, the fact that they were learning from their mistakes and they said, we're not going to give this all this money to someone that's not, you know, proven, something will change along the lines. Um, that's already a step in the right direction. And, you know, as any Chelsea fan, we're happy with that. And the fact that we got Pochettino is 
I will say he wasn't my first choice, but he could have done a lot worse. We certainly have seen that this season. So I'm going to take a page out of Justin's book next season, as long as we are no longer and we don't hear the relegation fight, relegation battle, any of that jargon with Chelsea. You know, we're not associated with that. We're fine. If we get to any European competition spot after the season that we've just had, the season of turmoil, the worst season we've had in like 45 plus years, something like that, then, you know, apart from being like relegated back, you know, in the, in the, in the fifties, uh, that's a win. That's a win in our book. So, all right. All like right. I said, buy one, get one free. It's coming up guys. Let me know uh, <laughs> if you guys want any players. Hey, I'll take okay, one get you guys a deal. Let's I'll get go. You, uh, yeah. That, that fourth official discount. awesome awesome well thank you for for that comprehensive uh, um who was your first choice for manager nagelsman no who oh i I, hey it's weird it's weird where we we lost you for a second there but we didn't hear you censored yeah it's almost like you were censored All right, fans, write in with who, just fill in the blank, what, what man, what do you think Manny I said? I feel like for... he said Zidane. Maybe he said Zidane. Oh, well, sure, yeah. Oh, he said no, 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 no Zidane. Can you all hear me now? Yeah, yeah. we can. Jose Mourinho. Really? The coming, <laughs> the, the coming of, no, 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 no I oh. kid. Um, uh, it was actually Luis Enrique. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was Luis Enrique because, um, uh, it was someone that wasn't associated with any any teams in the Premier League, right? So you didn't have kind of those ties like Pochettino does, right? Or did, I guess now. Um, but at the time, it was I would have taken him over Nagelsmann because Nagelsmann still has that um, that uh, reputation of kind of being very difficult to work with. Um, you know, very, very sad. The, the, yes, very young, but he's from the German school. Like they are all disciples and descendants of uh, Ralph Ragnick and you know Tuchel and Klopp and like you you can tell right like there's a, a specific style of management that these guys have been taught right. But Luis Enrique is that guy who has been successful on multiple levels right, and he's done. Mm. Here's the thing with Spain though that that was different. Like we know club. And country is completely different, right? But with club, he was able to integrate young players. He has um, that experience. He's very well respected. And I feel like that was the one of the biggest things of why Chelsea failed is because nobody respected Graham Potter. Because he yeah. didn't have the laurels. He hadn't earned it, right? I mean, if anything, Brighton fans should be thanking Chelsea for our horrible horrible decision making because I, there's no doubt in my mind that Brighton would not have ascended and had the season of their history right because they've never qualified for any European competition in like since the the uh, club was founded um, until now so with Potter they would have still been they would have been happy with like an eighth or like a tenth or somewhere around there 
and you look at them now, they're in Europa. So I think they could have been in the conversation for European spots, but they definitely wouldn't have had. I, I deserve he's taking them to the next level. And I agree. Actually, I think Nagelsmann actually would have been a disaster at Chelsea. Um, it would have been like Tuchel 2.0. Oh, Potter also. I don't Potter know. Fit. Would have would have been better than Potter. Would have been not as good as Tuchel, but um, <clears throat> uh, Pochettino is not. Like I said, he wasn't my first choice, but um, we could have done a lot worse. The fact that they actually took their time on this. Um, look, listen. Right now, all I want to see in the next few years is Pochettino win one thing. I don't care what it is. It could be the Carabao Cup. It could be the Community Shield. It could be the Audi Cup, the Florida Cup. I just want him to win a trophy with Chelsea just to rub it a little further in Spurs fans' faces. That's all I care oh about. Oh, my God. He said the Florida yeah. Cup. Weird <laughs> stuff, huh? Like... Cup, hey, I'll take whatever cup there is. I hey, hasn't he won the Audi cup. cup with Spurs, though? Did he win the Audi Cup with Spurs? I don't yeah. know what I'm saying. I feel like, I don't know. But no, anyways, no. he's never won. He knows, he knows what it takes then. Um, <laughs> kind, of, kind of weird, though. Like, I mean, Bori, I don't know if, what, if you have any thoughts about EPL stuff. Like, what do you, why do you think Spurs weren't even in for Pochettino at all? And what are they, what are they supposed to do next season? I think, personally, the problem with Spurs is uh, Daniel Levy. I don't know yeah. why that guy. <laughs> speaking about speaking about top down issues at clubs. Yeah, yeah. That it's the most obvious thing. You look at the history. You don't even need data analysis to tell you that the one constant between all these world class coaches that you've had and you know other coaches that are not world class but still are revolutionary coaches. And decisions made, for example, for me to 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 not sell Harry Kane, for example, that is a Daniel Levy thing. That's just that's somebody that needs to go. And even before I started to see Daniel Levy out, you know, thing, I I was like, it makes sense. You know, we had Mourinho, you had Conte, didn't work out, and you're the same person you're the same constants across this whole thing apart from obviously the players some of the players i mean come on come on that is the issue with spurs and i think they just need a different project manager somebody that would think differently make make better choices but daniel levy did the stadium thing awesome right he's giving back maybe they give him a different role that does not is maybe somewhere in the janitor's closet you know and call him like executive something, right? But he needs to stop making decisions. I think that's the issue. And maybe they need to change the scouts too, uh, because they've not done so well with some of the transfers they've had. Well, his um, greatest masterpiece or work of art is about to happen, and it's going to be when Harry Kane walks away for free. Well, I mean, he no, I think he's. I think Harry Kane is done. Is gone this summer. Which really? You think he? You think he would sell him if he turned down? No, I think I think he. Will, I mean, unless he's that stupid and naive, he, hey. if he if he doesn't sell Harry Kane right now, there's no project. There's no way to rebuild that team. Um, and I think that's part of why. I mean, I don't know how true this is, and and we always hear people say this on the in the media and this reputable journalist, but we've heard that people have turned out the Spurs job, and I wonder why, right? Like. 
I don't think anyone wants to work with that kind of mindset or the way he's run the club. And I think he's he needs to go for other people to step in so that like they can attract better coaches. So there you go, Manny. What do you think? Harry Kane, eight year contract? <laughs> yeah, right. No, I don't think uh his his brother's his agent, right? I don't think I think, you know, it's one of those things where it's like fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. There's no way Charlie Kane ends up convincing Harry to sign anything with Spurs. Like Oh no, I'm an eight year contract that to reunite with Pochettino. Oh, dude, I would trade half the squad for, for Harry Kane. And here's the thing. Um, seriously thinking about it, Harry Kane is has it's got a way on him. The fact that he has scored so many goals. He has done so much. He's in the record books, but he's never won a single trophy. Like Audi Cup. The the Audi Cup. You gotta count the Audi Cup. It's not the Florida Cup, man. It's not the same. Florida over <laughs> Audi. Yeah. No, but uh, but in all seriousness, um, uh, there's no way. Here's the Bordy's right. Until Levy's gone, that they're gonna continue to make god awful decisions. Um, good luck trying to find an actual like recognized. Um, respected coach because all the ones that were on the table have rejected him. Um, and the one guy who would have come back probably in a heartbeat if he had been asked or approached is now with Chelsea. So. All right, let's talk about something more fun. Uh, and, we, you know, I think there are three teams that you've listed here that were really the the revelation of this summer, of this season. Um, obviously, so Newcastle is one of them, Aston Villa, Brighton. I think maybe not Aston Villa, not so much towards the end. But Brighton and Newcastle, I know we've talked about Brighton a little bit by calling out the Zerbi, but want to talk about Newcastle. I think Newcastle, obviously, um, co- uh, they qualified for the Champions League, which is uh, you know phenomenal. But my question to you, um, and I'm going to ask the fan of Newcastle here, more who who is more of a fan here, which is uh, Justin, um, because of Isak, of obviously. Oh. Okay. Um, <laughs> what do we think about this? You know, because it, here's what I'm here's where I'm trying to go with this. Obviously, tremendous achievement for Newcastle this season. But if you really look at it, you know, you have teams like Liverpool and um, teams like Chelsea not have a good season. So, I personally think Nick. I expect next season Newcastle will not make top four. That's my expectation. And and I think part of the reason why I'm saying this is because they will not be able to compete across both competitions. Um, and that could affect them. So that's my point of view. I, I, and maybe things may change towards the second half of the season. But what I'm curious from your point of view, um, uh, Justin, what you think about... Newcastle season and and maybe just talk about what you think the next season could be given that they've qualified for the Champions League. Yeah, I mean they've had a phenomenal season. I, I think there's, in terms of, okay, hold on, I, I need to catch myself here because I know I'm gonna get a bunch of pushback against what I'm about to say, but I'm gonna say it anyways. Okay. Oh, I know. In terms of, in terms of, um, outcomes like where they wound up versus expectations going into the season. You have club, there are three clubs that way 
overachieved, and they are Newcastle, Brighton, and Arsenal. But let's talk about Newcastle. We're not going to talk about. I'll, we won't talk about Arsenal, and we'll we'll get back to Brighton. But like Newcastle has way overachieved the expectations set upon them, given um, the business that they did over the summer, right? So like they got they did they did some good business, but smart business. Like obviously we have the whole uh, Saudi acquisition of the club, um, the sports washing controversy around it. And that's another, that's another conversation we need to have. But in terms of like what's actually happened up until now, since that acquisition, it's been pretty conservative and it's been pretty, like I said, smart business. It's been like, not let's assemble all the superstars under the Newcastle banner. It's let's fill these key roles with players who either can contribute immediately in the case of like someone like Trippier or who has value now and value that will build into the future like Isak. Um, and they've done like a really good job of filling the gaps in their squad, building like a starting, a strong starting 11 and uh, a few key substitutes off the bench. Um, and Eddie Howe has been a phenomenal, was a phenomenal get as manager also. Um, I think you can't let, like, let that go by also. Like, I think his influence on the team has also been extremely important. So I think going into this summer, this there's a few clubs. Uh, Chelsea is one of them. And Newcastle is definitely another one where it's like, these are big wild cards, like between where they ended the current season and where they are going to start the next season, we really don't know because Newcastle's, especially with Champions League money, now they kind of have a big gap built in along with their new owner, along with the Saudi owners, that like they can do quite a bit of business if they choose to. So we're going to see if they, are they going to splash the cash? Like they could spend upwards of like 250 million uh, easy this summer if they wanted to and be within uh, financial fair play. So are they going to do that? Or are they going to continue the strategy of just very, being very selective um, and strategic about the pieces they're going to bring in to, to fit in with like, they have an interesting mix right now of like the, the, uh, a couple of new interesting pieces that they got last year and the, over the past year. And then a lot of also like homegrown players and like, you know, players that like up until now have kind of been seen as like jobbers, like, right. Like just people who fill a role in the field, but have been elevated with the rest of the squad. So um, I don't know. They're going to be interesting. They're, they're ones to watch for next year in terms of like whether they can, can they break consistently into the top four mold um, immediately, like this, this quickly. I mean, you got to think about like, you know, they're doing it. Uh, they, they've done it in a way that's very similar to Manchester city when they first got acquired in a way. Right. 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 And so are we are we seeing the start of a new dynasty? Like what Manchester City has built over a decade, like are we seeing the first steps in that direction where like they started small, they started incremental, and then the momentum just kept on rolling and rolling and rolling season after season after that. Yeah, but I think the difference here is is <clears throat> Man City has a had or yeah. well, still has uh, now a, a world class coach, right? So I, I think well, so did, so did so did Manchester United when Manchester City, the acquisition happened, right? Right. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, makes sense. I, I think that's a very uh, real, uh, good good summary. I know you've watched Newcastle probably more than both of us because I know you love watching this. Like, which, by the way, <laughs> trust me, I didn't watch it much uh, in its previous team, but I do like what I see. He's definitely yes. somebody somebody that is electrif- elect- electrifying. Is that the word? Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, cool. Uh, uh, Manny, I think I'm going to talk to you about Brighton. Um, They've qualified for the Europa League. Uh, congratulations to them. Um, first of all, are they going to keep Deserby? That's that's the first first question I have for you. Um, and then also, it sounds like McAllister is going. Caicedo is going to be going maybe to is he Arsenal. I don't know, uh, but whatever. My point is, are we seeing a situation where this team did so well this season, and the next season they're going to get distracted by other other things, and then they are probably not going to reinforce like you know, with, like, players that are, maybe maybe they'll be, they'll obviously will be reinforced with other players, but will they be reinforced by the players that, sh- that should be the players that they should be reinforced with? Um, so my point is, like, my worry with teams doing very well in one season is that the follow-up always sometimes is hard, right? And in some cases, it's harder, right? So is that what you will do? you think will happen with Brighton or do you feel like they have this momentum that will keep going on uh, even throughout next season? So it's really interesting. You know, we, we've said uh, kind of, I agree with Justin in the sense of all these teams overachieved. I would argue that I would, I would put Brighton did ahead of what Newcastle have done because Newcastle, we forget, that Saudi money and that takeover, they went immediately and started spending. They bought Isak, they bought Joel Willick, they bought um, you know Bruno Gimaris. They brought they bought players that were already kind of like big name, right? Like they had made a name for themselves. Can anyone tell me what a where Karen Matoma was before when McAllister was playing? You know where 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 did they find all these players? You know, Ferguson is um, 18, right? And he's like an academy product. Julio and CISO, like, is, you know, 19. Like, it's amazing what this team was able to do, you know. And the fact that they were in the same position that Chelsea was because of Chelsea, right? Like, they lost their coach because Chelsea hired their coach, right? They came in, they didn't interview. Um, it was amazing. Like I read, like an article saying that they didn't interview multiple candidates. They went straight for Zerbi. Like that, that, that was like somehow. I mean, I don't want to say somehow because they they probably have like the best scouts in the in, in the EPL uh, with respect to Leicester. But Leicester is no longer in the league, right? So you know, or Southampton for that matter. So the next club that just finds these gems these diamonds in the rough it, it's brighton you know like everybody thought uh when chelsea um essentially bought Graham potter right like out of his contract when they bought cucurella out of you know they were like all right where are we going to find players to and a coach to um fill in that hole fill in the gap mm-hmm. nobody remembers like I'm, pre- I'm, I'm pretty sure 
Brighton is like Cucurella, like who, right? You know what I mean? Like they have just gone in and filled in those gaps. Um, the way that they transformed the team and not only just like playing um, like the formation that Potter was playing, it's like they elevated to a more attack and a more uh, fluid style of play, right? It's like they defend offense is defense for them as well. Like the way that they line up, Everyone knows what they need to do. They trust in each other. Um, they had, they had, they didn't have as many injuries um, to their starters as, say, like Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal did at the very end. But the fact that everyone knows that you could substitute one player for another, like a bench player, someone with a smaller role, to come and do the job, like that is amazing. Now, whether or not, like, they end up losing McAllister, Caicedo, or any number of those players. Uh, you know, my, my money is that one or two of those will probably go just because the market dictates that. And it's no secret that if someone comes in a, a, a club, doesn't matter who it is, you know, a rival or abroad comes in and says, I want to purchase a player, they're going to be sold. But I don't think that the club necessarily care for that too much because they have deserving. I think he is the key to making sure that they continue to build on this. And I honestly don't see how he doesn't stay after what he's accomplished, what they've accomplished. They trust in him. Um, I think at the very end when they qualified in the very last game, they interviewed him and he said like he wants to repay that trust that was given to him, that was shown to him. And, you know, whether they look, they sell McAllister or Quesado, like those players are not, like, no one is indispensable, right? Like their their uh, motto and their uh, policy is like, someone comes in with the money, like they'll sell them. But I guarantee you that they already have um, options A, B, and C for those players when they leave. I'm really excited right. yeah. for them to play in European competition because it's their first time. Um, the only thing I, I really hope for is that they that they continue to invest, right? Like they continue to invest. They don't get they don't rest on their laurels, and um, mm -hmm. hopefully they look at what Lester didn't didn't do and do the opposite, right? Like if Lester, like I said at the beginning of the show, if Lester had invested every year after they had won and they had the money to do so. Um, Maybe they still would they would still be here, you know, mm -hmm. um, in the EPL. Um, with that being said, man, McAllister, he'll probably go to like a Liverpool or uh, who, who else needs a player like that? Um, actually, I feel like Arsenal use them too. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but they probably I'll take them. But they probably need a Caicedo more than than the McAllister, if we're being honest. Um, yeah. Now that Shaka's gone. Um, so Deserby's already, I think, TV. said both um, Caicedo and McAllister are definites, that they're definitely leaving. Deserby said it, like, shortly after the season ended. So, so that's, uh, those are typical, like up. you said, Manny. But you know what? There's probably already, like I said, there's probably, like, three targets already identified at each position that they can go out and get super cheap, dirt cheap, and in a year or two, we're going to be talking about those guys and saying like, hey, 
Well, where are they going to go? That's the trouble, though, right? Like to compete in Europe and to maintain standards in the EPL, you recruiting for the future is important, of course, but you also need to recruit for the now, and that's and now and and now. Bright, everyone knows Brighton's. I mean, as a case with all the EPL clubs, you know, they got the money. All the EPL clubs have the money, and not only that, now they have the European competition money. So if they want the players who contribute at the level of Caicedo or McAllister immediately, they got to splash the cash, and that's that's a tough step up for a club of Brighton stature to make to, to compete with the the big boys consistently. That's that's why you know that's why. These clubs um, have great seasons, one or two in a row, maybe, and then they dip back down. So, uh, I, I mean, I like Brighton, and I like the Zerbi's style. So, um, we'll see, I guess. I like Chelsea B team, too. Sorry, I mean Brighton. <laughs> well, right, that's well, an interesting point you said, though, Manny. When you said, like, Southampton and Leicester the, were, you know, for the past decade plus have been, like, the feeder teams, right? Like they have, Davies, they they, they're basically like the recruiting staff for for Liverpool, for Chelsea, um, and now those guys are gone. So is everyone gonna be circling like vultures? They're gonna be circling Brighton and like seeing who they bring in now. I don't know. It could be. It could be. It's just um, hopefully they learn from from those teams as well. You know, like like you said, uh, good sell. You know, it's great to sell and make money, but make sure that you re- reinvest that and. Uh, purchase wisely, right? Like you just don't want to just, or not purchase, not use that money. But I have a feeling um, Brighton might be on to something. They might be building something for the next few years at the very minimum. Um, it's exciting to see. They've never gotten this far, not in their wildest dreams, right? So hopefully, uh, you know, they can build on this. Awesome. All right, well, um, I think that's all we should have today. I think, uh, obviously, next time we're going to have the Champions League. Um, next week we're going to have Champions League, and hopefully we will record before then, but it would be great to really preview that game because this, I have a lot to say about Inter Milan and their season. Um, and also, you know, there's a lot going on right now on social media with Lukaku and Megan the Stallion, so... Um, I don't know if you've seen you've seen all of that, but that should be fun to talk about before the game. I've seen a lot of memes, and it's actually <laughs> it's really funny. Um, but yeah, thank you all for listening. That's all we have today. Uh, we're on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Uh, we will talk to you next time. Bye bye.